Hello listeners and followers of Ufahamu Africa and the Monkey Cage. Welcome to another episode from the African Politics Summer Reading Spectacular where we discuss new books on politics in Africa. My name is Amita Maklo, an anthropologist artist at Cornell University working with the Ufahamu Africa team. And remember, you can always read these articles and reviews on the Monkey Cage's website. And for our first-time listeners, the Monkey Cage is a blog on everything politics and political science. Now let's talk politics. This week's episode is an analysis by Carolyn E. Holmes. It reads, Two new books take different roads to understanding South Africa. South Africa's government changed after 1994. So did the social order. What happens when you live past a miracle? South Africa, in its transition from apartheid to multiracial democracy and societal integration, defied international expectations. But as with most end-of-history narratives, history didn't end in South Africa or anywhere in 1994. What happens post-apartheid? South Africa, in the words of Eve Fairbanks' newly published volume, The Inheritors, an intimate portrait of South Africa's racial awakening, is fixed both living after history and still drowning in it. But according to even Lieberman, we can't just hang our hats on the ambiguity of the situation. As he notes in his new book, Until We Have Won Our Liberty, South Africa After Apartheid, whether South Africa is deemed a case of success or failure has enormous implications for how we think about the promise of democracy more generally. These authors examine the trajectory of democratic South Africa through different approaches. While Lieberman primarily looks at issues pertaining to institutional changes, Fairbanks examines the social and moral orders of apartheid and democracy. This conception of what the transition was, a change of government or a change in the social order, frames each of their books. South Africa has achieved considerable successes. Lieberman begins with South Africa's 2019 election. Vignettes of different polling stations reflecting different demographic and economic profiles in a single municipality come together to illustrate that across many very important divides, South Africans participated in a free, fair, legitimate and competitive election. This general tone, that things are good actually, comes as a bit of a surprise for political science reading audiences. Neither academic political science nor political news coverage are accustomed to telling good news about South Africa. In this sense, Lieberman's book is almost countercultural. But the sources of Lieberman's convictions are data-driven. He presents his readers with the evidence. From the increasingly competitive nature of South African elections and the expansion of basic infrastructure like water and electricity, to the majority of the population, to the expansion of human rights and recognition of all citizens, to support his conclusions. Lieberman's optimism isn't naive. He acknowledges the persistence and intensification of inequality, as well as the barriers to access in healthcare and education. He also acknowledges that South Africans increasingly report dissatisfaction with their government, and notes that support for democracy is on the decline because of these and other issues. But instead of focusing on these very real problems in terms of democracy, he turns the question around. Would a non-democracy have done better given the same challenges? Lieberman argues convincingly that the answer is no. Rather, South Africa is just muddling along. 
but that in itself is pretty remarkable in the wake of the legacies it inherited. Lieberman's analysis evaluates South Africa as a country, not as a miracle. Rather than being the bearer of the promise of democracy, the world can evaluate South Africa, Lieberman says, on its record of government performance, which has much to laud. In turn, then, South Africa becomes a new kind of model for democratic success in the era of democratic backsliding. The transition from apartheid changed more than politics. But what of the people who live and work and love there? Fairbanks's The Inheritors tells a very different story of the transition away from apartheid, not as a change in government, but as a change of the moral world of South Africans. Following the lives of four individuals, an Africana army veteran, a farm worker turned farmer, and a mother and daughter from an urban township, Furbanks weaves a story of the inheritances of apartheid and the ways the 1994 transition was both a break from and a continuation of their lives. In each story, there are disappointments, big and small, personal and public. Elliot, a former farm worker, gets a government grant to buy his own poultry farm at the time when the removal of global apartheid-era sanctions and economically protectionist policies put South African farmers into an internationally competitive market, and a jump in costs made mid-sized agro-industry vastly less profitable. Dupu, a former anti-apartheid organizer, gets a job in a glittering office building. What she had thought she fought for became an experience of feeling disregarded and demeaned by her white colleagues. All these stories illustrate the same tension between what people expected of social and political integration and what actually happened. In some cases, the gap was vast. The civil war that Christo, the army recruit, was told to expect never came. In other cases, it was personal. The newly integrated university that Malaika, a young woman from Soweto, attends, leaves her alienated from her childhood friends. South Africa's transition, then, was an invitation to live in a new integrated social order. But ordinary South Africans also carried with them the experiences of the past. The hatred and fears internationally stoked by the apartheid regime, the seeming moral clarity of the cause for which they fought and the violence that was hidden behind the miracle. It's not that Fairbanks's account of the new South Africa is pessimistic, while Lieberman's is optimistic. Rather, Fairbanks understands the transition away from apartheid as a continuation of, rather than merely a break from the past. It's messier because people, the senses of self, of personal history and heredity, of right and wrong are messy. And this is perhaps where the subtitles of each of these books can illuminate their difference. While Lieberman uses the subtitle, South Africa after apartheid, Fairbanks opts for an intimate portrait of South Africa's racial reckoning. Ultimately, both books tell an important story about contemporary South Africa in its many contradictions. Rather than evaluating South Africa as a miracle, with the transition from apartheid as a period at the end of an era, these books let South Africa and South Africans continue to be after and during their ongoing history. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something. Please do not forget to follow Ufahamu Africa and the Monkey Cage on social media. I am Amita Maklo and I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ufahamu Africa. 
You can find more episodes, show notes, and transcripts on our website, ufamuafrica.com. This podcast is produced and managed by Megan DeMint, with help from production assistants Chukufunanya Ikachukwu, Alex Kozak, and Ami Tomaklo. We are generously supported by the Carnegie Corporation of New York and receive research assistance from Cornell University and the University of California, Riverside. Our music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. Until next week, Safiri Salama, 